This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 175 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a folk tale entitled The King of Ireland's Son about, strangely enough, the King of Ireland's son, who goes on a journey to win the heart of a princess. Very classic stuff here. But first of all, big welcome to any new and returning listeners. Thank you so much for your recent or long-running support. It is always incredibly appreciated. Uh, housekeeping, if you have not done so already, please follow me over on Instagram at firesidebard or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you want to get in touch queries, questions, or if you just want to say hello, those are the best places to get in touch with me. Uh, If you want to support the podcast, you can do so in a number of ways. You can spread the good name of Fireside by telling a friend or a family member about the podcast. Uh, You can support by joining Headstuff Plus over on headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there are more of them each and every month. The podcast network continues to grow and grow row and if you really want to support me you can buy my book my poetry book uh, garden sea and neo myth of home you can buy that in paperback from the headstuff website or you can buy it in ebook version from kindle from amazon links are in the description below the paperback can be shipped all over the world uh, so don't worry about that wherever you are we are i can get garden sea to you thank you so much to those who have already bought it in the last few months the story for this week i'm reporting to you live from my hotel room in Cairns in northern Queensland, right at the tip of top of the northeast of Australia. We've just finished um, our last show here in Queensland. We've had an incredible length. We're about just over three months into the tour of the world of musicals. Uh, we're still here for another couple of months, but we have a couple of weeks off now. Um, and I'm going traveling for a little while, so I won't actually have my recorder with me, so I'm recording a few of these, so I will not miss a week until I get back. We continue our leg at the end of June, where we return to Tasmania, which for long-time listeners of the podcast might remember, that is as far as we got essentially last year when this tour was cancelled again for the third time. We did a few shows in Tasmania and Hobart and Launceston before traveling to South Australia, where we got locked down 
um, before we had to postpone the rest of the tour and head home to Ireland. So it's incredible to now be over 60 shows deep into this tour, to have well and truly been back on the horse and long may it continue. Um, and I can't wait to go back to Tasmania because Tasmania was actually the place we got to do the shows and Hobart particularly is a great, great town um, which we got to spend a good bit of time in. Look forward to spending a bit more time in Launceston and in a few other spots that we're playing as well. But all of that is just uh, for by the by context. So we've just recorded, we've just done the show here. So now I'm back in my hotel room recording this um, before packing my stuff away. Um, and I'll have more news about where I'm off to on my travels uh, soon enough as well when I get back. Um, but the story for this week is probably the final tale we're going to have uh, from adapted from Douglas Hyde's great book, uh, Beside the Fire, which I've got a lot of the recent folk tales from. I've mined it for all it was worth. And Douglas Hyde has had stories in many of the collections I've read before. But from that title, I'd always seen the title Beside the Fire, which naturally, given the, ta- the name of this podcast, is a book I wanted to read. And they were great and really different kinds of stories uh, that really fit in, I felt, with what we've always wanted to do on Fireside and what I particularly wanted to do when looking at Grania Whale and all, and with these latest episodes on the Battle of Ventry and the mythological episodes, it's been great to continue like this standard of, of folktale. And this one is no different. Very idiosyncratic tale, uh, has a kind of rhythm to it. It's almost like a nursery rhyme or a Dr. Seuss book, um, as I teased when I announced the episode in last week's episode. But we'll chat more about it, of course, afterwards. But this is episode 175. This is the King of Ireland's Son on Fireside. The King of Ireland's Son Once upon a time, there was a young man who was the son of the King of Ireland. One day, the prince went out hunting and shot a raven from the sky. It had been snowing the night before, and the raven's body fell upon a fresh bed of perfect white. As the prince went to claim his prey, he found himself profoundly moved, as someone does when they see, read, or engage with a particularly impactful piece of art. The prince looked at the perfect black of the raven on the immaculate white of the snow, peppered with the brilliant red of blood. This color combination gave the prince a moment of clarity, and he immediately decided, From this day forth, I will not eat two meals at the same table or stay two nights in the same home until I find and marry a girl with hair as black as raven's feathers and skin as white as fresh snow with cheeks and lips as red as speckled blood. As it happened, There was only one such known girl with this exact description, and she lived far away in the Eastern world. So the prince had quite the journey ahead of him. Although he was the king's son, the prince wanted to make his own way in the world, so he took only 20 pounds with him on his adventure. Very soon, however, the prince came across a family crying beside a coffin. It was a law in Ireland at the time that if someone died with a debt over their head, the body could not be buried until the debt was settled. This father of this family had been the one to die, and neither his wife nor children could afford to pay off the debt. 
so they stood crying over the unburied coffin. The King of Ireland's son could not stand the sight of this tragedy and gave the family ten pounds to settle the debt, half of all of the money he had brought with him from home, but enough to bring closure to the family and lay the man's soul to rest. Not long after this, the prince came across a short man dressed all in green. I know what you're thinking. The man in green asked the King of Ireland's son, If you're going to the Eastern world, you'll need a servant and a guide. I am willing to offer my services to you. How much do you want? asked the prince. All I ask is for the first kiss from your wife when you found her. This seemed a strange but fairly good deal to the prince. So the King of Ireland's son and the green man went on their way until they found a man with a rifle. The gunman was searching for a blackbird in the eastern world. Why don't you come with us? asked the green man. I will join you if I get my wages, said the gunman. What are your wages? asked the King of Ireland's son. A house over my head and a garden before me. I promise you will have it, said the prince. So the King of Ireland's son and the green man and the gunman continued on their way until they came across a man with one ear to the ground. They asked him if he too would join their fellowship. Only if I get my wages, the man said. What wages do you seek? asked the prince. A roof over my head and a garden before me. And so you shall have. So the king of Ireland's son and the green man and the gun man and the ear man continued on their way until they met a man standing in a field with one foot on his shoulder. Even for the most flexible of yoga masters, this position didn't seem quite possible. Why on earth are you standing like that? asked the prince. Because if I were to stand on both feet, I would be too fast. Why don't you join us? asked the green man. If I get my wages. So the king of Ireland's son and the green man and the gun man and the ear man and the footman continued on their way until they came across a man standing in front of a windmill making the fans turn by blowing out of his left nostril. What kind of a thing to do is that? asked the prince. Well, if I used both my nostrils, the windmill would take off, said the man. And he too joined the posse. So the king of Ireland's son and the green man and the gun man and the ear man and the footman and the blow man continued on their way until they came across a man smashing rocks with the side of one of his thighs. Why on earth are you smashing rocks like that? asked the king of Ireland's son. Well, if I used both my thighs, the rocks would be ground up to a fine powder. And you guessed it. He joined the band. So the King of Ireland's son and the green man and the gun man and the ear man and the foot man and the blow man and the man who broke stones with the side of his thigh continued on their way until nightfall came. Where will we sleep tonight? asked the prince. In the castle of that giant, said the green man. I will go first and make sure it is safe. And the green man went to the castle with his pole of combat and struck the floor with the pole so hard it echoed all around the castle until the giant came out. I smell the blood of a melodious lying Irishman, said the giant. I am no melodious lying Irishman, said the green man, who began to swell and grow until he was towering over the giant and barely fitting inside the castle. I seek lodgings for my master. 
If you refuse, he will strike the head off your head. Is he as big as you are? asked the cowering giant. Oh, and bigger, said the green man. Please, you have to hide me. So the green man took the giant and hid him in a great chest and locked the brute inside. The green man then invited the king of Ireland's son, the gun man, the ear man, the foot man, the blow man and the man who broke stones with the side of his thigh into the castle. They spent a third of the night storytelling, a third on Fenian tales and a third sleeping. When they all awoke and the rest of the gang had left, the green man went and released the giant. Thank you, said the giant. For hiding me, I have a gift for you. It is a nightcap that when you wear it, you will see the whole world, but no one in the world will see you. Finally, the king of Ireland's son and the green man and the gun man and the ear man and the foot man and the blow man and the man who broke stones with the side of his thighs reached the eastern world. And there they found the woman with raven black hair and snow white skin and blood red lips and cheeks. The prince asked the princess what it would take to win her hand in marriage. You must break the gyasa, the curse upon me, said the princess. I will give you this sleeping pen. With this beneath your pillow, you will sink into an unbreakable sleep. If this pin is still somehow beneath your pillow when you wake, I will be yours. If not, the head will be struck from your neck. The princess then pointed to all of the skulls and rotting heads lining the walls of the castle, all from previous potential suitors to the princess. The king of Ireland's son only then realized he was not the only one who had made such a journey. The prince went to sleep and the princess put the sleeping pin beneath his pillow. As the prince slept, the princess removed the pin and gave it to her guardian, the king of poison, who put it beneath his own pillow and fell asleep. But the green man then crept into the room of the king of poison, concealing himself with the nightcap of invisibility given to him by the giant. The green man took the pin of slumber and took the head of the king of poison for good measure. The next morning, after his gifts from the green man, the king of Ireland's son produced to the princess both the sleeping pin and the head of the king of poison. The princess was infuriated that someone must have helped the prince, so she said she was not satisfied. If you want to play a team sport, she said, let's have a race. Let your best footman attempt to beat my champion to the western world and back. Let the first to bring three bottles of water back with them be the winner. The princess summoned an old witch to act as her runner and the prince had the man who stood on one leg with his other leg resting on his shoulder for fear he would be too fast. The two runners set off, and the footman was already halfway back from the western world with three full bottles when the witch was only halfway from home. When the challengers met, however, the witch said, Fair's fair, you've beaten me. That was clear from the beginning. In fact, as soon as you took off, we thought it was a foregone conclusion. Your master has already married the princess, so no need to rush back. Rest yourself. The footman believed this nice old lady and lay down for a rest. As soon as he lay his head down to sleep, the witch put a sleeping pin beneath the footman's head, smashed his bottles of water and continued to the western world. Back in the east, the green man was becoming anxious. The footman should have been back by now. 
so the green man had the man who had his ear to the ground to listen for where the footman was. The ear man said, I can hear the footman snoring. He is fast asleep. Well then, wake him up, said the green man to the gunman. The gunman took aim and fired the most precise gunshot that's ever been blown, smashing the sleeping pin beneath the footman's head without blowing his head off. The footman then saw that he had been tricked and the bottle smashed, and quickly ran back to the western world to retrieve more. Unfortunately, by this point the old witch was already well on her way back. The green man then said to the man who blew windmills with one nostril, Delay that witch! The blowman opened both nostrils and the witch was carried away and blown back to the western world. The footman escaped the gale, arrived back with three fresh bottles and the race was won. The princess was still not satisfied. Do your servants fight all of your battles for you, she mocked. One final challenge and this one must be carried out by you. You must walk three miles without shoes or socks on steel needles. The prince began to sweat as he removed his shoes. He was in too deep, but the green man had one last trick up his sleeve. He said to the man who broke stones with the side of his thigh, she said that the prince must walk himself. She didn't say that you couldn't help level the playing field. So the thigh man smashed the three miles of steel needles into the earth and the prince walked across them barefoot as if it was as smooth as a walk on a white strand. The princess was out of options. She had to concede. The day was won and the pair were married. But the green man still had to be paid his price. Lord knows he deserved it after all he had helped. The green man wanted to be the first to kiss the bride. He leaned in, and the prince was horrified to see that the princess had snakes for hair, which all began to viciously attack the green man. The little fellow had, of course, expected this. He sucked the poison from the snakes, removed them from the princess's head, and the curse was finally broken. The princess was a new woman, finally free and ready to marry the one who had come all this way to free her. The green man finally told the prince who he really was. I was the dead man whose debt you settled so that my family could bury my body. You showed kindness with the little you had to last your journey. So I and my friends from the other world came to see all your dreams come true. The King of Ireland's son married the princess of the Eastern world, and he never saw the green man, the gun man, the ear man, the nose man, or the man who broke stones with the side of his thighs ever again. The End Hi, I'm Neve Kavanagh. And I'm Gerald Farrelly. And we are the hosts of Agony Rants. We have been friends for a long time and on Agony Rants, we do what we've always done. Talk about people behind their backs and make suggestions on how they can improve their lives. No, we cheer them up on Monday morning and help them with their problems. By meddling in areas in which we are dangerously unqualified. Why don't you join us each week for a new episode? You'll find us wherever you do your listening with special bonus content for subscribers on headstuffpodcasts.com. Agony Rants, out now on the Headstuff Podcast Network.
How about that for a tale now? <laughs> the story of the King of Ireland's son and the green man, the gun man, the ear man, the nose man and the man who broke stones with the side of his thighs over on Fireside. Uh, I really hope you liked this story. This, yeah, you see what I mean by this like nursery rhyme, like hypnotic rhythm and an almost Dr. Seuss way, like very like uh, green eggs and ham. Um, but a wonderful, wonderful, really unique tale. The imagery in it is so strong, particularly these two images of the, the, the man who can blow windmills with one nostril and that if he blows with two nostrils, he's too powerful. And of course, this footman who somehow rests one foot on, the, on his other shoulder, kind of like a, an action man you've able, been able to bend all the way back or stretch Armstrong. These are very, very strong images that really just like create this own little world out of it. Um, and speaking of worlds, we go to the Eastern world in this, which just remains this very vague mystery, like certainly like across from Ireland. But this princess of the Eastern world is a particularly interesting case in the fetch quest, prince seek princess trope of fairy tales in that the princess she does seem to be under a curse, but this idea of the curse being broken and she becoming a different person at the end was more my own addendum and amendment to the story because the princess, for all intents and purposes, seems to be her own keeper and her own jailer. It is like she is Jafar and Jasmine all in one, you know? She is Ursula and Ariel. She is annoyed that the prince keeps achieving these tasks that he has all this help um and the green man knows every step of the way the particularly the, at the end that this this kind of not nice thing that he requests this simple but like seedy request that i want to be the first one to kiss your wife that i'm going to help you marry uh, all along is so that he can take the poison from these snakes the only reference to a, a jailer or a higher keeper than the than the princess of herself is of course this king of poison who is briefly mentioned i condense the story somewhat um i loved the sense of the rhythm of the growing of all the people he meets of the fellowship of the ring you know it's 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 the silliest version of lord of the rings you'll ever hear this story um and so I loved the building of that and I loved each of those characters so I wanted to have that sense of momentum but then the thing I was most interested in was this race and where each of these incredibly bizarre characters with very specific skills and traits where each of them would come into play whereas in the middle I loved the first I loved the, I loved the green man as a character and I loved this this talent he has that he can grow the size of a giant um, He they actually go to three three different giants houses in the Douglas Hyde version all with the same thing um but he gets a different he gets a pair of slippers that make him quiet he gets uh, a sword a rusty sword and these are just other things he uses to creep into the king of poison's room he also has to do that three times and i didn't think it added anything and it just kind of interrupted whereas i wanted to get straight to this this foot race um and this challenge of these three bottles and it, it's one of these sales like and there's been a few of those in the Douglas Hyde versions it's just constant action and every little tiny detail of set dressing is so clean that it almost makes it more vivid for example just yeah just arrive in the eastern world no description of the eastern world the description of what the princess looks like which is a, which in a nice reversal the image of wanting to be in love with someone who 
has uh, skin as pale as snow and hair as black as raven as ebony and and lips as red as blood that um well it makes you think of snow white naturally as well but that is the description that is what deirdre of the sorrow sees she sees a raven dead in the snow and she wants to marry a man who looks like that and that is nisha of the sons of ishnok so that's a really nice uh, reversal to a much much older and much more tragic tale in this quite whimsical one which can only be exist in the same world you know so i did really really like that as an image as well but when we get to the eastern world and the princess is describing she describes just these heads all around of the previous suitors who fell asleep with the sleeping pin under their under their pillows and then it was taken away and then they all lost their heads as well a, a, a image and a detail like that can be placed in there and can act so vivid amongst just this kind of onslaught of action from start to finish of this tale yeah i have to say i i do say this a fair bit but i do pick these stories quite intentionally i guess as well. i pick stories to adapt that i really like but there's something about this one that i particularly like i always the more episodes of this there are you know this is naturally this is 175 stories now and should the day come when I ever do finish Fireside or even before I finish Fireside, like I definitely will want to do a book of these, of my favorites of all of these and adapt them again and, and polish them up really, really nice and just have a very definitive version, my version of these stories. And so I'm always thinking about those, you know, because you can only have really between, I'd say between like 20 and 30, like my top 20 or 30 episodes or stories um, across the myths and the lead and the folktales might do one on the myths and one on the folktales to be fair to do a lady gregory wb8 but this there's something in that growing element and i suppose it's because there's been no other we've encountered stories with prince goes meet princess but not who carries with him a green man and a gun man and a foot man and an air man and a blow man and a man who breaks stones with the side of his thighs so that alone is going to constantly have this in my head and something that i think could be referred to and brought back to so we potentially haven't seen the last of the King of Ireland's son. But we probably have seen the last of Douglas Hyde's uh, book of Beside the Fireside. I'll put a link in the description if anyone wants to. It's quite dense uh, and can be a little bit stuffy, some of them. But the essence of the tales is there um, for anyone who wants to read different versions of them. I'll put a link. Uh, if I can find that ebook link, I'll put it in the description as well. Um, but that's... Yeah, I think I've covered them all now, which is good. Uh, so I'll be looking for a new source for the folk tales. Um, but next week we have the final part of the Battle of Ventry, which is very exciting. Ventry Part Four, where Fionn McCool is finally going to engage in combat with Daradon, the ki uh, the king of the world, the monarch of the earth. Uh, that is all to come next week. If you so, I hope you enjoyed this week. If you haven't done so already, follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Join Headstuff Plus, uh, link is in the description below. Buy Garden Sea in paperback or an ebook. All the links are there. Uh, thank you so much to those who already have. Um, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.